for me, it was hard to give up the things I was doing. I always feel like I can do it better. But anyways, uh, I passed them off. I watched over them. I trained them. I showed them how I do it, the right way to do it. Make sure they're doing everything the way I needed to go. And uh, we got some good people and they, they just fell right in place. We're doing good. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And uh, before we get started on today's show, what I want to do is I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the new website that we just launched. So uh, take the time, if you're listening to this or you're listening to this later, just go to sevenfigureflipping.com. And what it used to be is it used to be a page kind of about our mastermind group, uh, Seven Figure Flipping, all the different things that we did. But we just revamped it. We, the team's been working on this thing for months. And what we did was we, we launched a brand new website, sevenfigureflipping.com. So basically everything from now on is going to flow through that site, all of our email addresses, things like that. So if you want to get in contact with us, but sevenfigureflipping.com will have everything. It'll have information about the runway group, the altitude group, flip hacking live, basically anything that we talk about our blogs, our, uh, our YouTube channel will be there, our podcast, all of those things. So you can watch this podcast on there. You can go to any old podcast podcast that we have on there at sevenfigureflipping.com. So check it out, take a look at it and spend some time on that site. It's just kind of uh, browsing around and looking at it. There's got an about us page. It's got information about the whole team. You can contact us from there, all that stuff. So I'm really excited about it. So take the time to check out sevenfigureflipping.com. And same thing with our podcast. You can go to the YouTube channel, Seven Figure Flipping. Uh, YouTube channel and subscribe. And it, iTunes, we talked about it on the last podcast about um, finding it on the podcast app. They actually have apps. You could subscribe, you can leave reviews, you can do all that stuff. So um, it's kind of funny. I think that just everybody knows about that. But when I talk to people one-on-one, a lot of times they like, how do I get the podcast on, on my phone? I just get the email that you guys send out. So, and if you don't get our emails, you can go to sevenfigureflipping.com and just sign up for the newsletter. We send out a ton of stuff via email, these podcasts, updates, all the different things that we're doing, specials that we're running on Flipback and Life tickets, all of those things. So check it out. Uh, spend some time on the new website. I'd love for you guys to give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. If we can do anything better, I'd love to hear it. So, okay, let's get into the show today. So today I've got two really good friends of mine on the podcast and I'm really excited to interview them. We've spent a lot of time together over the past year and a half, two years or so, just getting to know each other. They were down in Pensacola. We'll kind of get into the story, the backstory of how we met, all of those things, I'm sure. But I'm really excited to bring to you guys. And if you are Flip Hacking Live, you heard them on stage tell their story a little bit and they have a unique story. They have a really great kind of um, background and some exciting things that they've done in their life. And we have some things that we have in common with um, one of our kids too. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Jason and Jennifer Ross. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Good to be here, Bill. Yeah, I'm happy to have you guys. So this is going to be fun. I'm really excited. I, we've spent a lot of time together. So I'm going to try to pretend like I don't know you guys as well as I do and not just assume all the answers and things like that and try to uh, make sure that I bring a good background for you guys to everybody that's listening. So if you guys don't mind, just take a minute to talk about yourselves a little bit, kind of where you live, uh, a little bit about you and so that listeners can get an idea of who you guys are. Okay. Uh, well, we are in Southwest Missouri, uh, originally from California. We've been here about 17 years. Um, we did a flip down in Pensacola. Um, of course, Bill knows that. We, it was your wholesale deal. So <laughs> that changed a lot for us. Um, we've got 11 kids. Um, 
we homeschool, we've got grandkids, so married daughters. Um, yeah, and so in California, we knew that he didn't want to keep working. He was commuting almost four hours a day, and it was just, it was too much. Um, so we took our California equity and moved to Missouri and bought a bunch of rental homes and wanted to go the easy route. And what we're doing now is like completely different <laughs> than what we've done the last 15 years or so. Um, so our background is in rentals for probably the last 20 years. So I got my first rental in California. I was probably 25 years old. It was a gold mine to start getting these uh, rentals. So I got the first one there. Um, but working all those hours, I was only seeing my family on the weekends. And uh, I was so much time on the road working 10-hour days. Um, just figured if we sold the house and moved to Missouri, basically, that I could take my equity and buy several rental homes. So that's what I did. I did all the work myself. Um, we got enough to where I had enough rental income to stay home for the first four and a half years. So we spent a lot of time with family and uh, made a lot of friends, a lot of friends with big families. So, I mean, we had uh, barbecues. There'd be, I don't know. 70. Yeah. 70 people around. And just, I mean, little kids everywhere. That's like it was, only it was six great. families. <laughs> yeah. That's just a handful of families. So it was, it was a totally different lifestyle going from California to, to that, to these homeschool families and uh, just a whole different way of life. Um, as the family grew though, the amount of rentals I had wasn't quite enough. I kept adding to it. I got to a point where I had, uh, oh man, I think 20. I 18, 20, something, somewhere there, around 20 rentals and I was managing them all myself, doing all repairs myself. And, uh, I actually started getting a little bit stressed out about it and we started selling them off one by one and got down to just a handful enough to, I could manage myself and, uh, started doing construction at that point. And I ran that for what? five years, five years ago. I don't know. I don't know. At least, at least five years solid running crews, my own crews and my own company. So um, I don't even take it from there. And then our daughter married our son-in-law and they had a house that they found that Jason talked him into buying and flipping it. And they literally just sold it. They'd done an owner finance on it and they just got the money today. And this, they started this, what, three years ago? So this was an awesome <laughs> deal. So they're, they're like four hours away in Illinois. So we go, we visit them, visit the baby. And uh, I was on line one day goofing around. I find this house. I say, Jacob, let's go, let's go check this house out. And uh, it was like $20,000, 2,000 square foot farmhouse. And uh, I need a full remodel, but it was, it was a good solid house. And uh, we go and look at it. I said, hey, I said, if you don't buy this, I'm going to buy it. So uh, long story short, he, he bought it. And we spent five months solid working on the house, getting it done. And we stayed in there. There was a, uh, it was wintertime, no heat, got down to negative 10 outside on some days. Uh, it was pretty crazy, man. But uh, I had my boys there and then uh, Jacob and Chrissy and we all pitched in and got it done. And we saw the potential of making more money that way rather than just having the rentals. And we kept the rentals. Like, we still have some of those original um, rental homes that we bought 17 years ago that we're still getting like $1,000 a month just from these crappy rentals in this little 300-person town, um, assuming they pay the rent. But we decided we wanted uh, more cash and bought that place in Florida. Okay. So you guys, so you were in California, you started buying rental properties then you moved to Missouri where money went a little bit further. You bought more rental properties. Uh, family got bigger and you said, well, okay, it's still not. So what, what was the transition? It's interesting because a lot of the people that have come on recently started in the rental market. They started buying rentals and then they transitioned to kind of flips and wholesales and things like that. And it's very similar to my story. So I, I wanted to get 10 rental properties cash flow, like get $10,000 a month. That was my goal. And things changed drastically for me. So what was, what for you guys, what was it that said, you, you said, okay, well, I, we got all these rental properties. 
um, we want to move into the flips or the wholesales, or were you guys always doing that or having that in your back pocket? Or was that something new? The wholesaling, we didn't even learn about until a couple of years ago. We heard a podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, Jason, do you know what people are doing? <laughs> and we didn't even really, it wasn't like something we'd thought a lot about doing. The flips, we just wanted to stack some cash. We've got a passion project. We're still wanting to fund and maybe the answer isn't just to pay cash for it but that's always been that's why we started flipping we sold our house we had a house that was about one hundred fifty thousand dollars that we built ourselves and sold that to get the house uh to get the cash to buy the um the place in pensacola so you got, so you guys, okay. So you looking for some cash. So you moved down to Pensacola and, uh, or, or actually so let's talk about that a little bit. So that story is kind of interesting. You guys were up in Missouri and you're kind of looking for another place to go or something like that. How did that all happen? That, that kind of worked out with Jacob. Um, that flip he had after doing that flip with him, he, uh, he really picked up on the construction side of it and we decided, Hey, let's, let's do this somewhere warm. Because like I said, we got negative 10 there in, in Illinois. And uh, we're just looking online, looked around Florida, different places. We actually went down there and uh, put offers on several houses and didn't get them. And that's, that's where I met you at that pig meeting. Or I saw you there surrounded by people at the pig meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to be able to get up and talk to you. but <laughs> um, Yeah, so anyways, uh, just getting that lead back from you on that house on uh, Blythewood. Okay. So you guys wanted to, to start renovating houses in places that were warm. So yeah. Pensacola was, was one of the options. Uh, Jenny, I think you and I were talking on like online or something on bigger pockets and we were going back and forth and um, we spent some time just kind of messaging back and forth. And then I didn't even necessarily put two and two together, Jason, when you were at the meeting with Jacob and you guys started talking, you guys stood up and were like, Hey, we're trying to buy flips. We're looking for flips in this area. If any, any wholesalers here have, have some, you know, we're interested. And so I was like, who are these guys? I've never seen them before. They're like from out of town, right? You said, Hey, we just drove down here. We're looking at properties. And so we, we just spoke and I said, well, I've got a couple of deals. And basically I just sent you everything that we had all at that time. I think we had gotten to a point where we were doing probably five or six deals a month at that time. Uh, my company blackjack in Pensacola, and we were just in Pensacola at that time. And I, I was still living there at the time. So I think we sent you a couple, you went to look at them. You're like, these aren't really for us. And I said, I have this other one. It was a bigger project and right down the street from the house that I was flipping at the time. And I just didn't necessarily have the funds or the capacity to do it. Uh, I was going to do it if nobody else was going to take it for sure. Um, and I would have done it a lot differently than you guys did it. So, um, but you, you kind of um, were down there looking, looking at properties. And um, so you decided on that one, you kind of bought it. And then you guys moved like the entire family down to Pensacola, right? We had a convoy coming from Missouri to, to Literally, Florida. There were seven, eight cars, seven, eight cars. And then uh, like we had the trailers and uh, yeah, trucks loaded down, moving truck. I mean, we were, we were we, loaded I mean, down. We kept our stuff in storage in Missouri. So it was just what we had, what you needed. To it was live. mostly tools and mostly uh, tools. Yeah, our basic living necessities. But yeah, we had a convoy and uh, it's funny. One of the neighbors who said, uh, the house was, so there's a lady who used to live there. So the, the lady uh, put a few appliances out front. She's all, and then we didn't see her for a few days. She's all, then all of a sudden all these cars descend on this house. There's like, there was cars on both sides around the front and around the other side. She yeah. said, all of a sudden there's all these people there and they just thought it was funny, but yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. So this house, I remember going to see it and you guys were actually, so the remodel on this house was not 
uh, I would have just done, uh, we kind of talked about what I would have done when, when I went in there and I went in, I went a couple times to check it out. And initially I told you kind of what my plan was going to be and you looked at it and then you, you guys basically just ripped down everything. Even the exterior walls came down and you built basically a whole new house around this house. It was a high ceiling, a cathedral like house. Incredible to see just the two of you, you and Jacob and whoever else you guys, I don't even know if it was just the two of you with a, a hammer and a chainsaw or whatever you guys, it's <laughs> incredible to see this renovation. And so if you're listening, these are, these are, there's a guy on the podcast right now who is incredible at what he does. And I was in awe of that just going, I don't even, I don't even know what, how to, how to do what you're doing. So you talk about some people doing, like doing everything in their company or renovating the house. These guys are building like, I don't know, what were they like 14 foot ceilings or something? And you, you laid yeah. the joists on, on the, the roof. You guys redid everything. You got a crane come in there. So, and when I go in there, no, it, we didn't. I set those by hand, man. They were standing They're, on the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, well, some of those uh, weighed five or 600 pounds. The, the, big trusses. So, uh, we have we had, so we had four of us to set those. So once we started setting them, I'm, I'm up on top holding everything together. I'm like, Hey, put a brace here and put a brace there. And, uh, you know, trying to get these guys going. It was, it was sketchy, man, but there was no room to get a crane in there. There was a couple of huge, uh, oak trees there. And, uh, so yeah, we set all those by hand. We're saving money. <laughs> it, it took a few days, but Okay. Even, even, even more incredible than what I thought. But you know, it's, it's funny, just if you're listening to this, just kind of picture this. You've got, uh, is, is Pensacola, it was in the, I want to say it was in the summer. This is summertime, right? Summer, yeah. Okay. Summertime. So it's like, it's like the surface of the earth, like of the sun. It's like the surface. Of, it's like 120 degrees, no air conditioning. And it's a shell of a house with really kind of the X, there was like a a door that I walked in, then I walked inside and it was almost like open roof or just, just, it was a wild and there's tents in all the rooms and you guys are <laughs> sleeping in tents inside the house. That's our clean spot. Yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> How many people were living in the house? Um, me, him, eight kids, Chrissy, Jacob and the baby. So 10, 13. It, and you're, you, how did you cook your meals? The, we kept the stove in the, yeah, the sink. Yeah, the stove was still hooked up. Yeah, we had water and everything in the Folding shower. tables. It's funny because the shower, we, we, tore the, okay. we tore the roofs off in the shower. And so there's some days, that you're on a Sunday morning, you look <laughs> up and sun, yeah, you see airplane flower, like, hi, Bill. And, you know, no, no, but there's airplanes flying over and the, the sun's going right down the shower. Is, yeah, the house is wide open. It was pretty it's crazy. It's like an outdoor shower at the beach. It sounds great. Yeah, which you know? yeah, so, so, I mean, this isn't, you guys were doing all this, you're using your own money, right? Yeah, we used our own cash, um, and we did everything. Uh, I mean, we we pulled Obviously. our own permits, electrical, plumbing. We dug our own footings by hand it's because we're man, we're from here where it's rocks. We get over there and it's sand. And Jake and I are like, man, we can dig these footings out in an hour. We don't even need equipment here. So we did the full on addition and uh, um, just dug everything, did everything ourselves: electrical, plumbing, roofing. Uh, only thing I subbed out. I'd never done granite before. I didn't have the tools for it, so I subbed that out. And the brick. And then uh, the brick. Cause it was, it was, the house was huge on the front. I think the, the front was, it was like 23 feet tall on the, to the peak. So I didn't want to mess with all that brick. So, so looking back, I mean, you have, you have a background in construction for, you've been doing this for a long time, right? Yeah. I probably had 15, 20 years construction. So. Okay. So a lot of times what happens 
with us at when we, we jump into this investing world, we start saying, okay, well, I have experience in this. I can do it. It makes sense. And at that time it probably was like looking back, would you still have done it the same way that you did? No, I would have done it uh, quicker, easier and cheaper. I would have hired more of it out and been in and out and done uh, five or six deals to my one. Okay. So, so why do you think at that time you didn't do that? Like, why do you think you guys were jumping in, doing everything yourself and instead of hiring it out, doing, you know, churning more deals, letting the money work over and over and over again? Um, I guess because of doing so much construction, I felt like I didn't have to pay someone for my labor. I, I was my own labor and I could see that in the end when I got paid. So I see a huge chunk of labor just come back to me and, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would have hired someone out, I would have, I would have made half what I made or, or even less than that. So, but we would have done more. So I still struggle with that today. I, I have some of these flips and I go in, I'm like, oh, I can do this part or that part. And, and uh, it's, it's really hard not to do it. I'm doing better. I've got three crews going right now. And uh, I go check on them every few days. I lost my project manager. So <laughs> I'm doing all that stuff again. Um, actually funny, true story today. <laughs> <laughs> I go to my storage. My, my GC calls me. He's like, Hey, uh, concrete guys are here to pour a porch for, for one of my houses. And, uh, I'm like, okay. He's like, I want you to come make sure it's how you want it. So I'm like, I'm going to take my transit just for the heck of it. So I, I pull up and these guys have this thing all messed up. It's got two and a half inch angle the wrong way. Uh, stairs there. One stairs, 12 inches tall. The other one's like four inches. And <laughs> so I pull my transit out and this guy, they're like, who's this guy? This is, this is the boss. He yells everything. He runs everything. Well, how's he doing all this stuff? Man, he's done construction for years. So get my transit out, I mark everything out for him, set him up. I'm like, you guys got this? Yeah, 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 we're good. So I left. But I mean, even today, I'm still pulling up my transit and, and doing stuff like that. I'm, I'm trying to use my hands too much. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. not. I mean, we have five yeah. flips we're doing right now. So he's obviously not doing them. Yeah. I guess so, you know, the reason, the reason that I bring this up is because I look back on a lot of the stuff that I did in the past and I looking back and I've mentioned it a few times, but when I run the math and I look and see it take, took me, you know, nine months, 12 months to get this thing done. I did one deal and then it took me another six months to find the next one. When I do the math, I'm making somewhere between 12 and $15 an hour. Right. Yeah. And if we broke that down, it's just, I think it all comes back to mindset, right? Like you, you guys at that time, like watching you do that. I, I even asked you a couple of times, like, you know, you could get a, a stager in here, you could do this, you could do that. And we, you know, here's this real, real estate agent and all these things, like just figure out how to get this thing done and, and keep it moving. And I've fallen victim to that too, but it's all about this kind of process that we go through in our mind and, and where we are in our journey. And we always fall back to the thing that we know this easy, easy way, right? Just, Hey, I can do it. I can save Oh, it's going to cost me $10,000 to have somebody go do it. Or I could do it for 7,000. I could save $3,000. It's going to take me a week or two weeks or a month. You know, is it worth it? And then really, really look at it. Or we buy the deal with our labor built in at that time, right? You, you guys were running the numbers going, well, we can do it for this. So when you run your numbers, then the deal makes sense. When you try to bring in a contractor or somebody else or a third party, the deal starts getting thinner and thinner and thinner, right? So I see that in our Facebook groups right now. There's people who are going, well, you know, I, I could actually get this done faster, but I didn't run the numbers that way. I ran the numbers as me GCing it myself and not having a project manager, not paying an acquisitions rep, not paying a disposition, but not paying all these other fees, taxes, all these things. And when they all come into play, we're the business owner that ends up not making a lot of money. So 
I think it's, it was part of your journey for sure. You went through that. And then I think a lot of it was just the way that you have always looked at things. And it's the way that I always looked at things. I didn't know that there was a different option. And once you kind of, your eyes open to that, you go, yeah, why am I doing this? Why do we continue to do it this way? And for you guys, it was always using your own cash too, not taking debt. So then at that point, if you start taking, you're going, well, we only have enough money to do one house at a time. So why wouldn't we do it ourselves? Right. So how, how was that? Like we talked a little bit about getting you out of, you know, swinging the hammer. Now, what was it like using like, other people's money or hard money or bar, you know, getting, getting some debt? How did, did you guys struggle with that at all? Cause some people do. Uh, we struggled with getting uh, hard money lenders at first. Um, once we got that in play, it's like, we just jumped in. We went from doing over like at one flip, at a time. Now, now we've got four and starting on the fifth one all at the same time. So with these three crews going, um, we can grow faster and, uh, it's been great. I've got an awesome hard money lender. I really like the guy. He takes care of me. I can close a house down in one or two days. Um, it's just, it's just changed everything for us because now we can't, we can scale. As long as I keep buying all my, all my contractors, I, I can scale as many as I can uh, keep going. And were you guys okay with that? Like, uh, did it take some convincing? Did it take some discussion <laughs> between you two to actually use somebody else's money instead of your own money? What was that like? He's more okay with it than I was initially. You know, you start listening to different things and then that kind of takes your mind down that one road. And so I listened to some Dave Ramsey stuff and I'm like, we shouldn't borrow any money. And he's like, we're never going <laughs> to, if we want what we want it's, we're not going to be able to do it with just the, you know, $160,000 that we have or whatever. And so it's true. Um, I call it good debt and bad debt. Good debt makes you money. Bad debt sucks your money away. So if it's a property or an investment or something like that, that money is going to make you money. So if, if you can scale that, you're going to make money. So, and, and that's just, it's the business that we're in and I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, I think I finally read the, the Bible verse that I've read a million times that says, Oh, no man, anything. And I'm like, well, we don't owe a man anything. So we're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you and I, you and I have talked about that, Jennifer, at the events and, and, and talking about, you know, money, making more money, becoming rich, things like that. And really thinking about that. And I know you guys are very, uh, spiritual and, and it comes from a, a great place of, of debt and, and growing and, and changing and things like that. So in, in our minds, I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's just growth in our mind and not, not letting anyone else tell us what we should and shouldn't do. So I think for you guys, it's, I love the fact that, nobody kind of came to you and said, you got to borrow money or you've got to stop working on the houses. You guys have kind of, we've all kind of evolved over time and learned that and just gotten around those people that are doing that and deciding for ourselves, is this right or not? So I know you, I've seen, I've watched you guys struggle with some different things on the, the personal side, like bringing the, the personal feelings and the spirit, spirituality into the business world and really trying to decide what you guys should be, shouldn't be doing. So, and I, I was the same way. I, I'm trying, you know, I, I'll take all the information in, I'll learn everything that I can, and then I'll make a decision of what's right for me. How do I feel about it? And for me, the biggest thing for debt with me is, like you said, Jason, good and bad debt. It's, but also not being so leveraged that we can't accept a 
a hit in the market, a slowdown. If it takes us longer to get a deal done, if we lose money on a deal, things like that, we're not over leveraged as a company where I actually have negative equity in the business. So I'm constantly not pulling a bunch of money out for myself. I'm keeping money in the business. I'm making sure that the business is able to fund the, the, the equity portion, which I like to have at least 30% equity inside of my company you know, on the properties that we're doing, the forced appreciation, all of that stuff that we're doing to make sure that I feel comfortable with my lenders bringing them in, where I don't just bring in 120% of the money that I need all the time. And I'm always over leveraged and just hoping that every deal, the market continues to go up and things like that happen. So that's the thing that I see flippers get into a lot is they just don't watch that. They decide that they're going to borrow 110% of the, each property and they have no money in the company. If the property goes down, anything happens, they don't really have an out. So, so I we kind of, you guys got from you, Jenny, Jennifer, you mentioned you, where you guys want to get to, you couldn't do that with the money that you guys had. So where do you guys want to get to? What do you guys want to do? What are the kind of goals? Where are you at? We, go. we want, um, well, okay. So we want rentals just for living expenses. We want to have a certain amount of, um, rental income coming in for that. So we have a goal. Of, there's a certain amount we have. We want residual income. And then we know once we have that, then we, so we have a dream we've had for like 10 years. So once we have that in place, I think we can move more towards our dream. Are you talking about that? Yeah, we, um, we want like, I don't know, a hundred acres. Um, we want to build some cabins and it's funny that you don't know this. Like everyone else in the group knows. <laughs> Need to hang out with us more, Bill. <laughs> um, we talked about it a lot during the seven figure thing in San Diego. Anyway. Um, we want to build some cabins that are like, um, disconnected type of cabins for people to just go to. We, we went on vacation one time. It was this log cabin down in the middle of Arkansas, a town of, you know, zero. And they had board games and a hot tub and walking trails, but there was no TV there. There was no cell phone service. There was no internet. And it was awesome. The kids were a little bit younger. Well, this was like 10 years ago. Well, maybe like 13 years ago, but Jake was a baby. Um, and it was just, it was a different kind of vacation. You know, we love awesome vacations in Disneyland and stuff like that too, but this was a different kind of vacation. Um, and we started thinking about it. And like the next year I looked for that again, cause they had actually, the owners had sold it. And so I'm like, oh, let's do this again because we really liked it and the kids really enjoyed it and I couldn't find anything. And so, you know, I'm like super visionary and I'm like, well, let's make it. And so <laughs> that's been our dream for a really long time and we still want to, we just haven't been able to get there. I think it'll change families because if you take a family out of their own phones, they're all on social media doing all these things and everyone's kind of in their own little, I don't know, they're in their own little area, their own little space. They, they're not interacting. So if we get these cabins together where the family's in there and they don't have access to all this stuff. They can read books and play games and go outside and do things together, spend time together. I think it'll change the dynamic of the family if they can just get a taste of that for a little bit. I think it make a huge, huge change in some of these families. There are places like that. I've done research on it and the reviews that they have are awesome. Everyone absolutely loves it. There's, there's not very many. So is that something that you guys want to run full time? That's you want to do this to get to that place where that's your like passion project or is somebody else running this and you guys are continuing to do what you do and just visiting there when you want to? I want to be on the property and actually if the people want to interact with us in any way, just, just have, let that be available to them. Or if they want to stay themselves and just be with their family, that's fine too. But definitely on the same property. So if we had 100, 200 acres, there'd be, I don't know, eight or 10 cabins. And there'd be common areas, uh, animals, places, chicken coop, like go get fresh eggs, 
a small garden by each cabin where they get fresh vegetables. Um, and they have farm animals and like little petting zoo they can go to or just things like that. River to fish in or a pond. I don't want to be stuck to it either though. And I think that's part of the, I don't know. Yeah. No, we want to be on land again. I miss my four wheeler. Kind of like a ministry <laughs> to families. I, just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's our dream. Yeah. yeah. It sounds really cool. So, so what's it going to take to get there? Like, what do you guys have to do to get to that place? And what's stopping you from just going to find it right now and starting it? I don't, money, I money. guess. It's money. We like, we find properties and you know, you we're friends on Facebook and there was something I posted a couple of days ago and I'm like, Hey Jason, look at this one. And so I post things like that and share it with him. And, but the land out here is really expensive. We're in Missouri and cheap. it's like, <laughs> it's cheap compared 3, to where you guys are. An acre. Yeah. 3,000 acres, 300 grand for a hundred yeah. acres is pretty good with water on it. California. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. We're going to work on getting you guys at that. So we're going to figure it out. If it's just money, like money is everywhere. Just, we can find some investors, we can find some people. So we'll talk about that later, but you, okay. you think that I don't know that you guys want to do that. I actually do know that. So, um, and, but you didn't tell me directly. So I have heard this. I, uh, you know, I have my ear to the ground, everything that's talked about gets to, and I, I see your post, uh, Jennifer on Facebook and stuff like that to about all the, Hey Jason, here's one, here's one. Maybe we should buy this one and stuff like that. So I know what's going on, but, um, I didn't know it's kind of cool to hear. Everybody's got this, this different plan and what they want to do and what the, where their goals are. But one thing that I want to caution everybody that's listening is, and, and I found this over the past few years for me, it's been such a challenge for me that I have this goal, this place that I want to get to. And once I get there, then it's just not enough. You want to get to the next place and the next place and the next place. So when you, when you are, do become an entrepreneur and you're a vision, you have this entrepreneurial gift inside of you. You have this thing inside of you. And once it's released into the world and into the wild, you have to be careful because once you have that and you get a taste of it and, and you can get to the point where enough's never enough and you, you actually do have the money and you do have the capacity and the means to do it, but there's something else. There's some other thing. There's some other excuse. There's some other reason not to do it. I'm not saying that's for what you guys are, where you guys are at or where you're going, but you, you're probably a lot closer than you think. And a lot of you out there that are listening to, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur in the making or a wannabe entrepreneur, or it's inside of you somewhere and you're just ready to let it out. And the first thing is that opportunity, that action that you take. We talked about it in the past couple episodes. We'll talk about it here. It's, you got that opportunity. You're just going to go jump on it. Uh, Jason and Jacob came down to Pensacola and said, this is what we want to start doing. We've got a taste of it up here. We want to start doing it somewhere warm. And once they got into it, they did it and they got a taste for it. And next thing you know, they joined the seven figure group and they were off to the races and nothing was going to stop them. And that's what happens with us. But a lot of times we don't slow down enough. We don't take enough time. We don't, we don't ever look back at where we've been for sure. Like if you guys just take a look back behind you, you'll see how far you've come since I met you guys a couple of years ago. And for me, it's the same thing. I always find there's just another, there's another mountain, there's another peak, there's another thing that I want to do when I get to that place. So, and, and, and that kind of drives me. I like that, but I know in my family in my personal life and all of that stuff, it can be a real challenge because you tell somebody something like, this is what I want to do. And then I'm going to be here. And then you get there and then you need more and more and more and more. So anyway, I just say all that as kind of a, uh, for those of you who are just getting going, be careful of it. And then for those of you that are ramped up and doing hundreds of houses a year, 
slow down from time to time. Think about where it's going to be, put your dreams out there. And then once you reach them, figure out, okay, is that, is, is that really where I want to be now? I'm a little bit different person. This is where I want to be. Is that makes sense for me and where I am? So, um, I have it like kind of written down all the things that I want to do, all the places I want to be. And every time I get there, it's just kind of like the next thing and the next thing. So I'm guilty of it. I need to really slow down. And this is a perfect time for me. It's the end of the year. It's when I'm planning for my next year. I'm kind of restructuring some things in my life, trying to figure out what it all looks like and how much time when you say your why is your family, are you really making it about your family or is it really about your business, growing your business, doing all those things where you're actually sucking time and energy and effort away from your family or not being with them as much or being present when you're there. That's the biggest thing for me. I'm, I got to unplug from all the stuff exactly that, that goes all the way around, right? I need to be in that cabin. I need to be unplugged from everything. And I need to do that from time to time to spend time with my family because I know that with my, my wife, quality time is really what she wants. She just wants me to be there. Even if I'm just sitting next to her on the couch watching a movie that I'm not interested in, I'm just not on my phone and my computer. It's just down and it's away and I'm not thinking about that stuff. And it's the hardest thing for me is to unplug from that. So anyway, I know I just went on a really long rant and I talked longer than I probably should. But for you guys, I know that you're probably a lot closer than you think. And if that's really where you want to be and the goal that you want, like make it happen. It's, this can happen. This can happen tomorrow. Like we get off this podcast, we can talk about how uh, we can finance this thing for you and structure it and all those things. We've done some deals like that in the past. Let's just do it. I'm happy to own a piece of that. You guys need a, a plan or an idea or something like that. Sounds fun. Let's do it. So, okay. So you guys have gotten, got this plan, you got this goal, and then you probably broke that down into, okay, what do we need to get there? What does it look like? And then broken that down into, okay, how many more houses do we have to do? What do we need to do? How do we stock this cash away to get to that place? I know that you, the people that you guys are. So what does that look like? It's like, where, where have you been? So what have you done up to this point? And then what do you plan to do? I know you guys are looking at kind of the future and where you want to go. What does that look like for you? So uh, we go right back to that cash flow. I had a certain number of cash flow. Um, I have my piece of papers. <laughs> it's in the nightstand next to my bed. I actually looked at it this morning. And uh, from Flip Hacking Live, I wrote that in six months, I would have half the residual income I needed to, to get to that dream. So, and I've actually been chugging away on that pretty good since I've got back. Just acquiring a couple of properties. Uh, they're pulling good cash flow. I'm going to continue to grow that. I think by the year, I could be pretty close to having the cash flow I want. Um, it, yeah, it's easy to yeah. get the rentals here. It's a good rental market. And uh, once we have that, I want to keep the business growing and, and going. So I, I want to be able to pull myself out and let it keep going so that um, my kids can run it. Jacob keep running it and uh, the other guys we have working for us. I want to keep that going. Even if I pull myself out, I want the business to keep going. Yeah, I, th I think that's one of my goals too. Actually, right now, I didn't even know that was his until right now. But <laughs> um I want to grow the business to where, like you said, it, it can kind of take care of itself. And, you know, like you're doing, you can spend two hours a week in it and know that you have a bunch of people or, you know, a handful of people that are, you know, that really care about the business and really want to run it. And we've got some people in place like that. Um, I think getting those roles in place for me a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, was really important because it was another step in that direction for that dream that we have. Um, and trying to just, okay, we've got, you know, these employees, where do they fit? What are they doing? What does that look like? Who else do we need to get to that point? So we're, we're taking action. We're putting people in place. We're, we're buying more properties, getting our residual income up. Um, the business is growing, which we need because we need a certain 
money amount to purchase the property and actually put the cabins in place and all that. So uh, yeah, we're heading towards it. We're, I think we've got a ways to go. Yeah, but. I think we're chipping away at it. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about let's talk to the people right now who are who have a, a team. You guys have a team, so you guys are in the altitude group, right? So we have this runway and altitude group, and you guys are in that altitude group. This is your second year in the in the group, right? Yeah. So okay, so you guys and you're just beginning your second year. I think you're a couple months into your second year, something yeah. like that. Okay, so you guys kind of went. Yeah. I, you joined the program. I said, move out of Pensacola, move up to Missouri. You move, we, we analyzed the market. We looked at the market. We looked at how, what I think you guys could do there. We looked at the competition. We looked at all that stuff. And you guys moved up to back to Missouri from Pensacola and started your business. You started ramping up. You started doing deals pretty consistently on a regular basis and pretty quickly, actually. And quickly, yeah. started build very quickly. Yeah. And started building a team out. And and so now you've got, uh, you've got a team, a small team. You've got what, like five people. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Five okay. People. So, and so now you're trying, so let's talk to the people who have something like that. They have a team, they have maybe a sales rep, a dispositions person, a transact, whatever they have, a lead intake person, something like that. Um, and they want to get to that place where they're kind of removing themselves. So that's kind of where you guys are. You're starting to think about that. And so how do you do that? So, what is that step as you've brought on a couple of people, you got a couple of people working for you and now you're trying to figure out, and I don't know your timeline, but you're trying to figure out your roles, who's where, who sits in what seat, what does it look like? So how did you do that? And I, I think a lot of that will help some people who are at a point where they're like, no, this person kind of does like these three things and these five things. And I'm not really sure what their title is. We say they're this thing, but they're just kind of like all around superstar. So how do you do that? So we had a blurred, it was a blurred mess to start with. Um, for me, it was hard to give up the things I was doing to just let someone else do them. And uh, I always feel like I can do it better. So it, it's, they're, they're my things to do. But anyways, uh, I Everyone passed, I passed them off. Yeah, I passed them off. I watched over them. I trained them. I showed them how I do it, the right way to do it. Make sure they're doing everything the way I, the way I needed to go. And uh, we got some good people and they, they just fell right in place. We're doing good. Um, but then we started to notice that a certain, I don't know, certain aspects weren't right for certain people. They could do, I don't know, three or four things, but there was two or three other things that they shouldn't be doing. And I'll let her explain that to you. She, she's kind of straightened yeah. that out for us in the last few weeks. Yeah. When we came back to Missouri a year and a half ago and started this wholesaling and seven figure and all that, um, it was me, Jason, and our son-in-law were all basically partners in the business. And so we were doing everything for that first year. But then we hired... Um, project manager, which was our son-in-law. And we just dumped him right into that um, because he had construction experience. And then we hired a good friend of ours um, and he's been with us since August. And he started out as an acquisitions guy, but after we went to flip hacking and we brought him with us, <clears throat> when I was still trying to hire someone, I'd been putting out ads and looking for someone to take over the phones for me for months, probably since this last summer. Um, just because again, I'm homeschooling. I could do it during the summertime, but I didn't want to go through the year again, answering the phones. Plus we wanted to up the marketing and have the phone ring more often. Um, so Adam, our, our acquisitions guy actually switched. So we thought Jacob would be better off a of dispo and onto acquisition. So they switched spots. Then Adam's doing lead intake now and dispositions. And now because the project manager quit, Jason's doing the project manager stuff. And then I hired an admin assistant for me to get the rest of the stuff off of my plate. And then we've got a bookkeeper. Um, 
so I'm kind of bouncing around still. Um, I still like to go on the appointments, so I'll jump on an appointment, uh, dispo or acquisitions. I don't care, whatever. Um, but, if I can squeeze it in between making my rounds, doing the project manager stuff and I'm looking for project manager. So <laughs> I need to get that off my plate, man. That's, that's like major. Yeah. That, that made me so busy in the last few weeks. I think we just, we just looked at everyone's strengths and we still may need to move some things around, but, um, I mean, we're, we're pretty open. It's a family business. And so where, you know, where your strengths are, I think that's where you need to be. Um, it makes it easier on the people. It makes it easier on the business. And I think we're more effective that way too. And there's still, there's a lot of training too that I wasn't really <laughs> thinking about. Like training people takes longer than just doing it yourself. I mean, training your kids to sweep the floor takes longer than doing it yourself, but you don't want lazy kids when they get older. So it takes a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worth it. In the end, it's worth it. You get three or four weeks down the road and you have this person trained and your life's so much easier and they're doing an awesome job and you just have to check on them once in a while. It's yeah. great. Okay. So I can, what I hear in you guys is we're still kind of all over the place, right? So I, we're I'm running all over the place, but they're, they're pretty much sitting there. <laughs> okay. So you've got, but you're still bouncing around from appointment to appointment and things. And so you're still, you're still trying to figure out the roles in the business. And I think, I think on paper, from what I saw, you guys have a, a plan of where to go. And right now you're just going there, right? You're trying to work towards that. So what I heard was, Nobody can do it better than me from Jason. Okay. That's right. uh, and, and that's, that's one of the struggles. That's the same struggle that I had. It's a struggle that a lot of people have. Um, and usually it's a certain personality that has that trouble unplugging. There's other people that will go, here you go, figure it out. And then there's us like me and you, Jason, who are like, no, you don't have that yet. Let me look over your shoulder make sure you have it. Uh, I'm not really sure that you have it. Show it to me three different times. Um, when my son comes out of the bathroom and he says he washes his hands, I say, let me smell them. And then he walks back in there and he washes his hands for real. So yeah. like, it's that kind of not necessarily micromanagement, but in the beginning, just making sure that we're, we have trouble letting go of things because we've always done it. And that's what a lot of people have that issue. And then there's, there's the other side of the coin where, you, you just give up stuff way too easily and you think you let people go do it and you don't check on them and there's no accountability. There's nothing. And they, they can run your business in the ground too. So both sides of those are you somewhere in the middle is the way to go, but can't do better than me. I'm training people. It takes a lot more work to train somebody than we think. And so what happens a lot of times that I find is we hire somebody at the point where we're at max capacity, we're way past max capacity. We are like redlined and our engine is about to explode. And we go, oh, I'm just going to hire somebody and bring them in now. It's a perfect time. I need help. And then you got to put this ad up. You got to interview these people. You've got to look at their resumes. You got to do all the other stuff while you're doing all the other things that you're redlining. And then when you do hire somebody, usually you throw them in as fast as possible because you just want the pain to be over. And you're, you go, ah, oh, this person's good. It's like two days of, of, interviews, you, inter you talk to two different people. And you're like, this person's great. Put them in there. And then three months later, you're going to go, what was I thinking three months ago, hiring this person? They're horrible. I should have taken longer to look at them and hire them and train them and all this stuff. And then the training takes a long time. And it, now you're redlined, you're training that person. So I always tell people hire somewhere like when you're in the yellow, don't wait till you're in the red to hire somebody, get to the point where you're, you have the capacity to do what you need to do. And you have the capacity to train that person and show them what they're doing and give them a little bit, let them go do it. Give them a little bit more, take a couple things off your plate, give it to them, see how they do. Give them a little bit more responsibility. Give them a little bit more responsibility. Start letting the rope out. Just like you said about the kids, just give the kid a little bit more leeway. 
give him a little bit more. I don't smell my son's hands anymore. I know when he tells me that he washes his hands, he knows because he knows that I'm going to check on him. So I don't have to do that anymore. And now when I say, did you wash your hands? He goes, he like puts him up. <laughs> so, and it's, and then the other thing is, is the strengths. So work towards your strengths you guys mentioned. So those things are really important. What are you good at? What are you not good at? What do you like to do? What don't you like to do? And so you guys got these positions. I heard you're moving people around. You're trying to figure out where they fit. You're putting the puzzle back. You've got the right people potentially in the wrong seats. You're moving them around. Just like EOS talks about, we need the right people in the right seats. So you moved them around. You've tried to find the right seat for them. If you don't find the right seat for them, it's probably not the bus for them. They're just not a seat for them right now. And it might not be ever. It might just not, it might just be not right now, which we've had in the company or as the company grows, it kind of outgrows the people. And I get it, but you guys are family business. You got a lot of family in the business, right? It's a little harder family, close friends, things like that. So what are you guys doing? Are you going out looking for people? Are you, do you have ads running? Are you hiring people outside of family, outside of your warm network right now? What does that look like? Uh, yeah. Our assistant was someone that I just found on hiremymom.com. So she actually lives in Missouri, but she's virtual. She's got two young kids. Um, and so, yeah, she's the first non-family or, you know, someone that we hadn't known for 20 years. Um, but she's, we've, we've had her for like three weeks and she's working, working out great. really good. Yeah. Really good. Nice. Another yeah, we've, uh, go ahead. Okay. Another big game changer for us was uh, doing our Monday morning meetings. We, uh, as soon as we started doing that, that just changed everything for us. Um, so tell me about that. What does that look like? So it look like, um, well, we all get together at eight. We have breakfast together at, uh, eight, eight 30, somewhere in the morning. Uh, we eat together, we pray about our business and then uh, we start a meeting and we just go around and, uh, basically talk about the wins for the week. Um, things the team needs to work on. Then we go break it down individually and see what's going on with each individual person. And then, uh, I have a, I have a list of things I want them to go over or work on. And, uh, so, so we get those out so they can implement those and, uh, seems to work pretty good. It's made a huge impact on their team. So how long is that meeting? How long is the last? Oh, hour, hour and a half, sometimes too long because then they start talking about specific properties. So they rabbit trail a little bit. So we got to reel them back in but, Yeah, up to yeah. about an hour and a half, but it's worth so you, it. And who runs the meeting? I do. Okay. It, yeah. It gets us all on track for the week. It's awesome. And then plus, uh, you know, something great happened last week. It gets them all fired up for this week and uh, just giving them goals to hit for the week. Uh, I don't know it was last week or the week before I told uh, uh lead intake. I said, Hey, I want you to bury the acquisitions guy. And then, uh, so I'm telling the acquisitions guy, I want you to bury the dispo guy. I, I want you guys buried this week. And I said, I'm going to pump up uh, our advertising and bury all you guys. So we're just like, you know, we have fun with it. It, it, it was great. And we did, man, everyone was hammering everyone and uh, business just picked up like crazy that week. It was good. Well, I sent out 6,200 pieces of direct mail too. So I think, I think we won. <laughs> we, we won. Yeah. We hammered them. <laughs> nice. So I love that. We do the same thing in the seven figure flipping company. We do a Monday morning kind of uh, get together. It's turning, it, it was an L10 meeting. We kind of went off of that for a little bit. It's coming back to an L10 meeting here starting uh, January, the beginning of the year. And we've gone loose structure on that on this Monday. I, it's an hour and a half. We kind of go around from department head. We use just the department heads, the, the leadership team now. Otherwise, it's just too many people. It's it, 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 like you never said, ends. it just goes <laughs> off. It never ends. And they talk about what, what they, their priorities are for the week, what they have going on, and what help they need from the rest of the staff. So is there somebody, something that you need from someone? And is there something that you can do for somebody else? So we're there. We're all taking the to-dos. We're going out and doing it for the week and then checking in 
you know, less frequently during the week because we all are tracking what we need to get done. And we're doing that inside of uh, Asana, inside of some of these uh, CRMs and things like that, where we're tagging people and trying to keep communications out of our email. Now, my email just is, I get 150, 200 emails a day. It drives me and my assistant nuts. And we're trying to get that out of, out of our email inbox and things like that. So, the same thing that I love what you guys are doing. I think it's so important that you at least do a weekly meeting, you check in with everybody, you get that stuff going and the structure of your sounds awesome. I wish ours came with breakfast. So, <laughs> okay. So you guys kind of know where you are and where you want to go. And, um, I know you guys did an exercise where you built out this kind of accountability chart. And so Jennifer, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Like, what was that like? What, what why did you do it? And then what did you get from that? Like what, um, what happened after you were done? I, I don't remember why I did it. I don't know. I just decided that I need to, needed to know where everyone was, where they should be, what our roles were. Um, I think I was just getting frustrated with some things. Um, there was like zero accountability. No one was really answering to anyone. It was just, I mean, we had the meetings and everything, but there was no one going, okay, you know, make sure there's no one keeping track of anybody no one implementing anything. And I started looking at, you know, the accountability charts <laughs> in the seven figure group and they're like, weren't any, but anyway. Um, yeah. So I kind of looked at some of those and tried to figure out what people were doing. Um, and wrote to you and you gave me some good advice on what to do there. Um, and so I had like a paper and you know, I'm trying to, you know, you're figuring out what their strengths are, what they're good at, what they like, what they're doing now. Um, had my whiteboard out and I like changed it several times um, and then finally came up with something that I mean he was part of it too obviously um, finally came up with something that I thought was good and then I was really worried about it <laughs> bringing it to the team on Monday morning and um, well, actually they haven't seen the chart but no. anyway I mean we kind of told them that we moved them around anyways yeah, to, to was, adapt to our chart yeah and they, they ran with it yeah it came out good yeah I wanted to be in more of an implementer role. Um, and they were like, well, we've needed that for a long time. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we have two visionaries. We need an implementer. So we have all these ideas and, and no one making things happen. So yeah. Yeah. So the way that, so the way that I remember this is you sent me a message saying like, can I see your accountability chart? Can you just tell me the answer? And I was <laughs> like, no, I cannot. Your, my okay, accountability so chart does not. Well, this is, let's just read between the lines here for a second. Just bear <laughs> with me. I, and I said, I said, no, I just kind of push back. Like nobody else can create that for you. Nobody else can show like write down the as is model. And you're like, okay, well I'll do that. You, the as is, was it looked seriously like five names and a bunch of like squiggly lines pointing to, it honestly looked like something Dr. Seuss would have put together. <laughs> it was like pointed to yeah. Yeah. five, six different people. Maybe I'll take the pictures and we'll put them in the show notes or something. But uh, <laughs> so it's, I'm not going to do that guys. Uh, it's just, uh, unless they tell me I can. So it's like, there's 15 different lines going to different people. And I was like, Whoa, that looks pretty bad. You said, yeah, I know. And we have, nobody really knows what they're doing, what their function is, what their seats are. And I said, well then build out now. Next step is build out the, the should be with no names on it, right? No names. So yeah. build out this structure that you want the company to be because what you were trying to do, it seemed to me was you were trying to put the people's names in there and then come up with their title or their job role or fill out the description of what they do instead of 
forget about the people, pretend like there's nobody, including you aren't in the company. And this is an EOS thing. This is not entrepreneurial operating system. This is not my thing. This is probably any of these different systems that you operate your business off of that you need to remove this, the people from the seats and figure out what the accountability chart looks like. And then what you can do is you can put people in those seats, in those spots, in those roles, in those, those sections. And what you've got then, you might have 10 names, like one name in 10 different boxes. You might have that and that's okay. When, when, I, when, when you start your company and it's just you, you're in all those boxes. All those boxes still exist. You're just in them all. And if you're listening to this going, holy crap, I'm in all those spots right now. You are. And that's why you're like, you're, you're having trouble. You're having trouble growing. You're having trouble expanding past what your capability is and your, uh, your, your capacity is. And so what you need to do, you need to bring in one more person, put them in there, put them in one of those seats. And then now you're in nine seats and they're in one seat, right? And then you bring in another person, you're in eight and then you're in seven and all, all that stuff starts growing. And the accountability chart stays the same it's just your name comes out of some of those boxes. So if you think about it like that, pretty much all of our businesses are structured pretty similarly as wholesalers or flippers. And all we need to do is figure out the right person to put in that box and remove ourselves from that box by training them, by trusting them, holding them accountable, leading them, managing them. That's it. And then you now eventually you get yourself in one box. Like I am in one box in my company. I sort of, I'm, I'm still a little <laughs> bit in the finance box, a little bit in blackjack. I'm trying to get myself out of the finance box right now and it won't be long. I'll be out of the finance box and my current controller will move up to be the CFO and I'll be able to get out of that finance box and sit just purely in the visionary spot box. And when Nate came in, he was in like five boxes because I was like, dude, I'm out of that. I'm getting out of that box. You're in that box. And so he would go in there. And then what happened was if somebody quits or somebody gets fired in the company, Somebody else has to fill that spot until you can bring somebody else in. And that's when you start seeing, and when you look at that chart, you can see what are the capacity of my people right now? You can see when they're maxed out because I knew at that quarterly meeting that Nate was in five boxes. If he was in five roles, right? And the integrator role of the whole company. So everybody answered to him, including himself. He answered to himself like three different times. So, <laughs> so he knows, I can see that he's at max capacity. When we build that out every quarter and they want to grow and they want to blow things up and they want to send out twice as much mail and they want to go into new markets. I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> you guys do that. We will, the company will implode. Nothing, there will be no accountability. There will be no, nobody will be watching the children running around doing whatever they want. It'll be crazy. There'll be toys everywhere, right? And, and we, can't, we can't have that happen. So then as, a, as the owner or the visionary or even the integrator, you can start scaling that down saying, let's get the people, the people sorted out then we can start scaling the business. And I'll tell you what, that, if I can give you guys any advice and anybody that's listening some advice, it's the people are your number one thing. That is it. If you want to remove yourself from the business, you get the right people, really good people. That's a game changer in your business. And, and figuring that out as opposed to just going, doing more deals and just running faster on the treadmill or in the hamster wheel or whatever you want to call it that's a different story than just bringing in the right people. So for you guys, building out that accountability chart, I think you might not even realize how much of a game-changing thing that's going to be for you over the next 12 months or six months or whatever you need to build that out and put the right people in there. But now the, the most important thing is to just to fill that smartly and really take your time to find the right people to put in those boxes and move yourself out of them. Train them, train them well, lead them, manage them, hold them accountable and let them, let them get off to the races because that then you can dump gasoline on the fire. And next thing you know, 
you've got the foundation built out, right? Jason, you built this huge house. If that thing, if you didn't dig the footers, right. Or it wasn't, they weren't deep enough. You know, your, your house is going to tumble over. Right. So that's what happens with, I don't know, all the businesses that shut down, all the entrepreneurs that try to get something, they might have a good product. They might have a good system. They might have something good, but when they try to scale it and they try to turn up the dial, their foundation is weak and it, and it falls flat. It topples over. So I think that's a really great exercise for anybody that's listening. I'm proud of you guys for doing it, uh, sending it. I, I, I looked at it. I think it looks great. And I love the fact that you started plugging those people in and what you, you probably realize, I realize I'm speaking for you a little bit, but you realize that the person who was in one seat is probably not the right fit. And when you moved them over, they actually get joy from that too. They actually feel like, wow, the owner of this business really cares about me. They care about my happiness and what I'm good at and what I want to do, not just where they think I should be or where I might make the most money. Sometimes you have to have a different conversation with them and see if they're on board. So how did that stuff go? You guys did roll that out and kind of move some people around, right? How did that conversation go? Well, I did actually, I do actually ask them that question. Hey, are you happy doing what you're doing? Because I know, uh, well, like Adam, he's, he's doing, uh, he's doing dispo and lead intake. And I asked him one day, Hey, if you could pick one or the other, which, which one makes you happier? And, and he, I mean, he had no problem telling me right what that was. So, um, they, they know where they excel. They know where they're happy at. So just, just taking the time to ask them that, that helps put them in the right place. As long as they're performing. I mean, go ahead. Tell them how they took it. <laughs> oh yeah. And they, yeah. Like, they, they were happy about it. You said. When we set them down for the meeting and said, Hey, we're going to move you here and you here. And we think you'll do better here. What do you think? Awesome. Yeah. This would be great. Yeah. That's just where I wanted to be. And that's what they excel and, and they really took to it and they've been doing great with yeah, it. That was like a week ago. So I think we're still just it's been a couple weeks. Now. Yeah. And I, we said, we'll try it out. Let's see how it goes. Um, you know, because we don't want anyone miserable because the culture fits all there for everybody. Um, but you know, like you said, if they're the wrong people, like our project manager, they'll weed themselves out. Um, but so far it's a, it's a good fit. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're really open with, with everyone. Um, so they take it well. Yeah. And we yeah. Have an open relationship with them, especially being family and friends. If there's an issue, Hey, come to us. If we have an issue, we're going to go to you. There's, there's no harboring ill feelings or, or being mad at each other or any of this stuff. It's all, it's all out in the open. So we, we don't want those internal problems like that. And it's been great. There's somebody's bothered by something. They just bring it up and we address the issue and it hasn't been a problem at all. Yeah. I got on them really hard a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> she cracked the whip on them, boy. <laughs> yeah. And I think I made them feel pretty bad, but you know, we talked about it afterwards and there was just some miscommunication and some misunderstanding and things that people had said and like what your role was and you're supposed to be doing this. And I was telling them something different. And so like Adam had, you know, three bosses, me, Jason and Jacob and, I came down and I'm like, why are you doing that? And it turns out that, yeah, but you know, we talk about it and everything's fine. So. And that's one of the questions we have at our meetings is, uh, what do you need and how can I help you? Yeah. So, so I want to, every week I want to know what, what do you guys need? How can I help you this week? What would, where are you guys struggling at? I want to, I want to know what the struggles are so I can help them out, get past their hurdles. So I think you, I think you said it because when I looked at that accountability chart, this one thing that piece of feedback I gave you was this guy, it was, it sounded like I was in office space. This guy's got three bosses. He's got three people talking to him. Yeah. And you're like, it's this person, this person, this person. I said, well, how, how are they even, they got to make three different people happy that probably aren't even talking to each other before they talk to him. This is the most <laughs> confused person in the world right now. And so what you did was you set it up where 
Um, Jennifer, I think you're the boss. I think right, everybody answers to you. Is that the way it's set up? Or Jason, are you the boss? Everybody answers to you. It's you guys have it set up now, at least that you have a tree that this stuff follows. And there's one, there's a, per, a person who's talking to each of these people. And then that person's talking. It's, it's, it's a structure, right? It's where structure. information flows. What I had in the seven figure flipping group, uh, company, when I took over, I had like nine people coming straight to me, maybe 10. And you just can't do that. It's just, it's not possible. Uh, now I have four, you know, I have four and then I have my assistant. So it's much more manageable right now. My life is, has changed drastically. Uh, I was going to say dramatically and drastically. I guess I put those two words dramatically, together. New dramatic, word. it's, it's dramatically changed. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> such a good feeling. You can make up your own word. So it's, it's just a huge weight off my shoulders because these people are taking ownership. That I'm talking to one person. That person is talking to three different people. They're making sure that things are done. They don't have to do it, but they're accountable to make sure that it happens. So when it's not happening, I go to them and they say, well, that didn't happen because of this, 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 and this. And they're not necessarily pointing the blame or, you know, pointing the finger, blaming at people. But what they are doing is they're saying, you know, my team didn't get it done. This is what happened. Ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure it gets done. And that's it. I can, and I don't have to go find the story, ask three different people. They tell me, and then I try to put all the pieces together, you know, all of those things. And it's just so much better. And, and then that person can manage those three people and make sure everything gets done. It's just so much more uh, fluid. It's so much more obvious. Everybody's on the same page. That's the way you have to do business. I mean, it's just, it's, that's it. If you don't, the accountability chart is the biggest game changer when you start bringing people on and you want to go from five to 10 or even five to seven or even one to five or one to three. Like once you, like what seat do you want to give up first? Build the accountability chart. Even if it's just you, if you're a solopreneur right now, build the accountability chart. If maybe it's a lead, maybe it's a lead intake person, maybe it's an acquisitions rep, maybe it's a dispositions rep, transaction coordinator, and, and maybe a finance and, and HR or something. And you build that, build that out and see what it looks like for, for a company that's growing. Maybe if you already have one level of that, build it the next level deep. Always build your accountability chart for now and then where you want to go. So you guys now have your in place of where you want to be, but then when you get there, don't just sit back and relax. Think, okay, now where is it going to go from here? If this, if we need to bring on, if we have more capacity, we bring on more deals. Do we have the capacity and what does it look like? So for us, we're building out every year. We know what our goals are, where we want to be and about the size of the company. So we're building out this accountability chart for one year from now. What does that thing need to look like to get to 30 people, for example, or get to 35 people or get to 50 people? What does it need to look like? Where, where are we weak? Where are we strong? Where are we overmanned? So like right now in the seven figure flipping company, I know that we need some help in the, the department that does all of the events, all of the um, customer service stuff, all of the feedback, all of those things. Right now, it's Vanessa. She needs a lot of help, right? So everybody just goes to Vanessa for everything, right? She's, oh, what do you need? Yeah, just go to Vanessa. Just go to Vanessa. Go to Vanessa. Well, Vanessa is slammed, right? So I know that that's an area that we need to beef up because we, I built out the accountability chart when I took over. Like I know that that's an area where she needs help and we're working on it. So knowing where your people, it's not just you and your capacity, it's your people and making sure that you're also taking the temperature of them and make sure they're not redlining because they're not going to tell you. They're not going to raise their hand and say, Hey, you guys are giving me a little bit too much work. They're going to, if they're the right people, usually they're going to go, yeah, yeah. Give me more. Give me more. 
Oh, yeah, they're going to bury us. Yeah, bury me. This is great. Yeah, we have too many leads. But you as the owner are going, crap, I mean, we just buried our people. How many leads did we lose? How many things fell through the cracks? How many deals could we have gotten? How many appointments didn't we go on? How do we filter too hard? All that stuff. So, um, okay. So you guys got this accountability chart built out. What, is, what are the goals over the next kind of 12 months for you guys? Where are you going? What's the plan? Anything? <laughs> Apparently we don't know. <laughs> well, I'm still working okay. on, uh, I'm, I'm still working on trying to get the residual income by the end of the year. Like I said, I already had a, a goal set up for six months to be halfway there. So within 12 months, I want to hit my goal of residual income, have enough rentals for that. Um, so what does that mean? You got to buy like 10 more houses or what does it look like? Um, I think we want like a money. It's a, it's a, it's a monetary. Yeah. It's a, it's a number because every house is different. Some might cash flow 500, some might cash flow a thousand. So it, yeah. So the number of houses changes or if it's a duplex or whatever. So yeah. And we need to get more long-term financing um, in order um, because we've maxed out <laughs> and for anyone listening, because we've maxed out like all of our credit cards on flips um, when our hard money guy doesn't give us hundred percent of the financing, our debt ratio is really bad. And so our credit score has gone down. And so with lending home, we can't get the loans that we want. Just under the requirements that I, I really needed that to kick it up a neck, you know, more notches here um, that I could think I could hit my residual income probably within four months if I had lending home or someone big behind me or the banks. I oh, know yeah, somebody. because we'd buy all the rentals in town. Yeah, I have so much opportunity here and it's, I have to keep giving that up and it's killing me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess th those are those are most of the goals. I mean, and I want to get the business built out. Like you talked about the accountability chart. I want that solid. Um, I want to know the right people are in the right place and if we need anyone else hire for that and um, get the cash flow. Um, that's still an issue for me that, and just knowing where your money is at all times, I'm still really behind on that because I've been doing so much stuff. So that frustrates me. I need to know my numbers. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a numbers guy, but I need to know how much is in the bank, how much is in the flip, how much is in this, what do I have to work with? How much is left with my lenders? If I don't have those numbers, I don't feel like I can do my job as good as I, I could if I had those numbers. So I struggle with that a little bit. Yeah. And I am a numbers person and not knowing frustrates me too. But the one thing that I like, I've pushed to the back burner for whatever reason, I think, because I don't know, we had that bookkeeper that we hired Lindsay and she has so many questions. Well, what, what did this go to? And what did that go to? It just requires so much of my time that I just am not getting her what she needs. So we don't know some and of then, the numbers. Yeah. And then on the big picture, I like to double down on what we did last year as far as deals. I think, what, what are we at this year? Oh, like 40, 45, 47. Like somewhere between 40, yeah, 45, 47, 50. I don't know. We're somewhere in there. I like to do at least a hundred deals this, this coming year. I think, I think by the time I get that residual income, if I do a hundred deals, I'd be like really close to uh, getting that hundred, 200 acres I need. And I want to start some cold calling. Yeah. Cold calling. Definitely. That's okay. Amazing. So new lead sources, double the amount of deals that you've done over the last 12 months get some more financing, get your credit back up so you can get some hard money lenders, uh, build out the accountability chart and grow that, figure out your numbers, um, free up some of your time so you can get the, the numbers that you need to get to the bookkeeper and all the other things. You, you guys got uh, your hands full. So the, you guys did, we'll do close to 50 deals this year. You don't have it all figured out. Your accountability chart looks like a Dr. Seuss novel or a <laughs> book or whatever you want to call it. So, I, I, and I only say that, I say it kind of like tongue in cheek, like a little bit of a joke, but for those of you listening, like this is what taking action and seizing opportunity really looks like. 
This is what it looks like. And I did the same thing. If you, you asked me what my KPIs were when I got my business started, my answer was, I, I see Andy, you know, and he's got all of his numbers and Mike Simmons has got his, all his numbers figured out. And these guys have great businesses. I'm just over here making a lot of money trying to figure out, we put it all together, just building my team, you know, focusing on that stuff. I honestly didn't really know for the first year to be perfectly honest. And I don't think that's sound business practice, but I was doing enough deals. I was making money. I, it was, it was clear to me that I was moving in the right direction. It was just me. Right. And then it was me and one other person. It wasn't, I didn't hire five people and start spending 10,000, $20,000 a month. I had, I was spending my budget. I started making money. I knew the direction that I was going. And then about a year and a half later, I took all my money. I got all my money out of the company went back into my bank account and it became a company. For me, like it was a family business, like you guys said, but the family was me. So I was, I was trying to grow this thing and I was trying to grow it fast. And that's what action taking looked like to me. And that's what it looks like here. So I want to give everybody, like you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have like, think about the finish line two years from now and have to have that figured out on day one. You got to go out there and take action. You got to knock on that door. You got to make that offer. You got to go do that thing. That's going to get you the next step and the next step and the next step. And that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give you. And I love the fact that you guys are coming on saying, I don't really, we just kind of like don't know our numbers and we don't know what our team looks like. And, but, but we just did 50 deals this year. And so it's doable. It's possible. It's, I wouldn't say that it's easy. Like you guys haven't had an easy time doing it. I didn't have an easy time doing it. This is not a get rich quick scheme. It's not overnight success. It's none of that stuff. It's the fact that, you know, we're, you guys are a year and a half into this, a little over a year into this and you are growing, you're scaling, you're changing your mindset. All these things are happening for you and you're continuously asking questions and looking for answers and trying to figure it out as you go. But you guys are kind of building the airplane on the way down, right? As you go. And you said uh, on the KPIs, it's funny. Every time we go to uh, one of the meetups, um, I tell her, these guys all know their numbers. I feel stupid. I don't know any of my numbers. Well, someone asked me my numbers. I have no idea what they are. I know how many deals I've done, but as far as KPIs. Sort of. You sort of know how many deals you've done. You just said 45 and 47 and 42 and 40 and I think 50. So it changes every day. Yeah. No. It, does, it does change all the time. We, we just closed one this week. So I had one. And it's, look, you guys are busy getting it done. And there's, you'll get to that point. You've got to get yourself some capacity freed up. And that's what you're working on right now to go out there and to be able to focus on that and, and dig into the numbers. But you've also got to make it a priority. So like, that's my advice is, and you guys are working on it. You're getting there, like building that accountability chart is step one, getting the, like actually acting on the accountability chart and staying in your lane, step two. And then step three is getting some spare capacity, but also look and see what are the priorities. If KPIs are, are a priority for you guys and you know that you need it, you'll, you got to focus on it and get it done. So before we go, before we jump off of here, one thing that I want to ask you guys is I remember it wasn't this flip hacking live, but it was the year before where you guys reached out to me and you said, we're not going. <laughs> we don't have the money for it. We started up this business. I know that we joined this group, but we're not going to the meeting. We're not going to flip hacking live. We're not doing this thing. And I said, you're going like we knew each other. And I said, you're going, I don't care what it takes, what I have to do to get you there. You guys are going to go. You've never been before. At that point, you had never been to one before. Right. right. Yeah. And I said, you're absolutely going. It's going to change your business. It's going to change your mindset. It's going to change a lot of things. I've never asked you this question, but how, what was that like? Not necessarily this past one, but the one before that, like, what did that do for you guys? What was it? Tell me a little bit about your experience at Flipacking Live. 
you missed one uh, one thing you told us. You said you said you could thank me later. <laughs> you knew we were gonna go. <laughs> um, it's a huge part of the business. It, I mean, just being around the people and the encouragement you get and everything you learn at these events is, uh, man, it, it changes the whole business. It's it's life changing. Just, I mean, the yeah. relationships you make is incredible. Um, I couldn't imagine joining the group and not going to these events. So that's, I mean, we've been to every event since. Yeah. It's been huge. Go, go ahead. But every every time, like the first three, and you know, outside of flip packing, the groups, the the ones that we do for the seven figure, each time throughout that first year, we were like, no, can't afford it, can't go. And you'd be like, you have to be there. <laughs> and we're like, well, and you're like, you're thinking about money incorrectly. I'm like, I'm thinking about money, you know, to buy food for the eight kids we got. <laughs> like, no, no, you just you have to go. And I think finally, by the time the summer came, I remember talking to you outside one of the rooms and saying we should have been here all along and we had been and you were right. And you're like, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> of course I was right. But flip hacking. <laughs> Thanks for twisting my arm, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. Appreciate it. <laughs> that, first, made a big difference. that first flip hacking, you know, I think we came into this different than other people do. We didn't go to flip hacking. We didn't see you on a podcast and be like, Oh, let's buy a ticket. Oh, let's join, you know, one of the seven figure programs. We came in the opposite way. We came in through the top, like to seven figure altitude and then went to flip packing like we went to those first two days for the seven figure groups the first two days which was like crazy i mean they say you know drinking out of a water hose and that's what it was i mean the information that we were getting in the rooms that we were in and the people that we were talking to were just like it, it was way dropping. yeah so we felt like we were way over our head yeah but we took notes and we saw what everybody was doing and we came home we'd implement a few things go to another meeting same thing it's still over our head but we would take our notes and uh just start using everything we learned. And if well, if I look back a year, year ago to now, it's incredible. The growth is just amazing. And and it, it's from going to these events and interacting with you guys and the different people in the group. And we wouldn't be where we were without the group. It's, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be part of it. If you're in here, you need to be in everything you can get your hands on. Talk to everybody you can talk to, ask your questions. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, so we went to those first two days a year ago and then, the next three days were the flip packing. Um, and it was, it was strange to see this really high level stuff and then go to flip packing, which was still amazing information, but maybe not quite as, you know, you get a little bit different, different information in those high level groups. They're talking about things that are more than, you know, your first time um, flipper is going to hear about. I mean, there was a lot that was very in depth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, flip packing, obviously really in depth. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's hard to put into words what something like that does for you. Just being there. Um, and it's funny, those, the times that we thought, oh, we don't have the money to go. It seemed like at the last minute, a deal would go through like the last week or a few days before. And uh, we'd already made the commitment, but it's like Lord provided right at, right at the end. It's always right at the end. We're like, glad we did that. Always right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, well, it was a to go this year. I'm glad that you guys came. And then this year you brought uh, some family, right? No, we brought our whole entire team. We knew that it was <laughs> we're like, okay, you guys all have to come because it's, you just have to be there. <laughs> no, we're you know, saying what you're saying. You guys have to come. And they did. And you, you brought your son. Impressed. Oh yeah. 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 We brought our son. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that like for him? What do you think that he got from it uh, this year? Do you feel like that was a good choice for you to bring him? It's an expense, right? You buy a plane ticket, you got a place to stay, you got food, all that stuff for, for the trip. What, what do you think? And how old is he? 
Um, he just turned 19. So like, yeah, that week he turned 19. Tell me what he said when he came back. That was. What did he say? They had different appreciation for what we did. Oh yeah. He's like, I had no idea what you guys were doing and how hard you worked. <laughs> Cause you know, he just went to flip hacking. He didn't go to the other two days with us or three days, but he, he was very thankful for going. He was like, I think a lot of it was over my head. Cause I mean, we've been in real estate his entire life, but he's not in it with us. He's not doing, you know, what we're doing. He just sees it from kind of an outsider's perspective. He works on the houses. But. He sees the whiteboard. He sees me go to the bank, cash a check or would go on appointments, but he, I guess he didn't have, he didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. And to, yeah. to go to the, that event, he was just like, wow, just blew his mind. Yeah. So he's, he's saving up to buy his first rental and, um, I'm not sure he wants to jump into the wholesaler or anything and flipping. He doesn't love construction. So if he had, he buys a house that needs work, um, he'll hire somebody. <laughs> so it, yeah, it was, it was awesome for him to be there. And I, you know, being there, I thought, oh, I should have brought more of our older kids. We've got three teenagers. So Renee, next our, time. Our, yeah. one of our daughters, she's 17. Uh, she has a job, nice car and everything. And she's saving up. She wants to get a rental house. Yeah. So awesome. So we'll bring you will save like 13 seats for you guys for this year's <laughs> event and you can bring all of your family and then we'll have to save like another eight or so for your team too. So <laughs> you, know, you guys will make up a quarter of our whole event this year. You guys better buy your tickets to flip back in live before the Rosses do because we're going to be sold out when they uh, run their credit card. So I, I'm, I'm really happy that I don't have to twist your arm anymore to come to these events. So I don't, I actually don't look for you guys on the guest list. Like I used to, I know that you guys have to go, <laughs> you know that you have to go. So before it was like, I can't believe they're not going, you guys are going to pay all this money to be in this group and not go to the events. That's really, once you get the taste of that, you, there's no turning back, right? You, you just have to figure it out. There's a way to get going to every meeting after that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now I got to, I get to start working on other people who just haven't been, haven't figured it out. I, I haven't missed one yet. And, you know, I was a paying member for a long time. And now, obviously, I have to go to all of them, no doubt about it. But I right now, I still pick up things. Like we, we pick up something, we make a change, we make a tweak. I bring my staff. I, you know, you guys were on stage. My staff is on stage this time. So it was probably pretty cool for your son to see you guys on stage talking about your success in front of 600 plus people there just that that's pretty amazing, I think. And to see him at the end, take a picture with you guys and talk to him a little bit, it was really cool to see just kind of the way that he was talking about it and his, his smile and his excitement, even though it was like the end of three days, which is, and we went late a couple nights. We started early. We, it's, it's a intense event. So it was really cool to see that and, and have the opportunity. I really look forward to you know, being, have, having my kids get a little bit older and come and kind of see what daddy does. You know, that's, that, that's, that's it. I remember growing up and my dad having an engineering business and I, I didn't really know what he did until like one spring break or summer vacation where I was trying to make a little bit of money and I had to go answer the phones as the, you know, the receptionist was on vacation for a week. I went to answer phones or I'm running blueprints through the, uh, the blueprint machine running, oh, running copies about uh, passed out from the ammonia and all this stuff. So, and then I realized that, okay, the reason my dad comes home at seven o'clock sits on the recliner and falls asleep is because he's working his tail off at his job. And it's really impressive what he's done. And all these people that are calling him boss or, you know, he's, he's the owner of that company and he's, he supplies wages and, and puts food on other people's table. And there's like 30 people there that, he's responsible for is really cool to see. That's a whole different level of leadership in my mind. And when I was hitting kind of, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. So really incredible to see. And if, you know, anybody who's listening, you got kids, bring them in, 
like, let them see what you do. Let them, yeah. let them be a part of it and, and really figure that out and, and show them, show them that. And, but then, you know, let them make their decision. Like you guys are saying, you're not forcing them into wholesaling or flipping or anything. things. If they, if they're interested in that, great. If they're not, then they're going to find their own way. And like me, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to go and then they're going to find their way back <laughs> to realize that they were an entrepreneur all along and just like their dad. And they're going to find their way into it at some point. But my dad never forced me into anything. He didn't push me to do things other than go to college and join the Navy. Those are the two things that he's like, you need to do this. And, but even then when I was like, I'm, I'm, I, I just, I don't want to, uh, go into my second year in the Navy. He said, just go on the summer trip. Just go check it out. If you don't like it, fine. It's a free year. First year is free in ROTC. After that, you don't have to sign up again. The year you, when you show up your sophomore year and you sign, you owe them time, enlisted time. Again, four years of enlisted time if you, if you quit before graduation. So for you guys, it was kind of like that. I said, come to this first event. If you don't like it, then you don't have to come back to one, but you need to come here. And then you did. And you know, then I didn't have to force you to come to an event again, fortunately. So, um, all right. Any, any last minute things that you guys want to share anything that, uh, anything that you guys have learned over the last year and a half that you wish that you knew for those people that are listening, like some words of advice, something that you guys are just going, I wish somebody told me this when I got started. Um, I said, don't try to do everything yourself. There comes a point where you're going to have to pass it off to other people and just be able to do that and actually let go of it. Keep an eye on it so it gets done right, train them right. But to be able to let go of some things is such a relief in the business. Um, what did you say? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the KPIs. And if you start out doing that, and yeah, you need to be out there knocking on doors and doing doing stuff that makes money and taking action. But I mean, the numbers are going to be so easy to keep track of at first. And then you get in that habit, then you're not where we are a year and a half into it. And I don't, you know, I'd love to have that. I would love to be able to look and see all that information now, but I don't have it. And I, we're not going to go back and, you know, backtrack 18 months or whatever. So something simple like that, it would probably only be a few minutes a day for someone just to keep track of some of those numbers. Um, I wish that we would, or that I would have done that. <laughs> and then all the systems, all the systems are there to use. If we would have put those in place from the beginning, it would have been so much easier. I was running out on appointment, appointments. I had a notebook. I was doing everything old school. I just, it was fly by the seat of my pants. I was doing everything. So uh, once we got all the systems in place, everything kind of streamlined, made it easier, simpler, faster, better. So I say just getting, getting those systems in place as you grow. As you, yeah, as you grow. I mean, stuff like that's not necessary. Yeah, if you're a one-man show, I mean, you, you don't need all that, but. As you grow, definitely get the systems in place. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you, I totally agree with all of that stuff. The the numbers and the interesting thing is for you guys, I think you're very high visionary, which we've just talked about recently, and a little bit low on the integrator scale. So when if when you hire the integrator, your numbers will be dialed in. Like they'll dig into it, they'll look at the last 18 months. And if they're not, you hired the wrong person. Because I remember my my integrator score is somewhere in the like 60s, mid 60s, 70s. And my visionary score is in like the high 90s, 98, 99. So when Nate came in with the opposite of that, he was able to go back and do things with my numbers that my numbers were okay. Like my KPIs, I was tracking sort of, it was loosely decent, I would say. I give it a, a C plus. And he came in and made it kind of like an A plus. So that's, that's the difference where you guys, it's not that you're not good at it. It's just you don't want to do it. Like you could be good at it. You just focus on other things. It's just the way it is. And it's the way we all are. And once we realize that, we can put the right person in place to, to help us with that. So, uh, well, hey guys, I enjoyed spending time with you again. I know, uh, 
we went over time. It just seems to be happening uh, nonstop with me. I just love talking to our current members, especially you guys. We've known each other for a while. We have a lot of history that we didn't get into here. And um, I, I love the fact that you guys bought a wholesale deal of uh, us. It kind of got started that way. And then, you know, our relationship started with, a, hey, let's do something together to me saying, I don't need to be taking money from your company. You guys need to be going to start that on your own. And let me, let me see how you can plug into to our network in, in the mastermind group and, and let you go do it on your own. And I, I absolutely love both of you. You guys are supportive of me, praying for me, my family, everything. It's just amazing to have friends like you and have people in the community just like you and attracting those people. So anytime I love having you guys at the events because we can spend time together too. So, um, it's, it's been an amazing, it's been amazing to watch your journey. I knew that you guys had it inside of you, but it was up to you to prove it and go take action. And you guys did. So it was really cool to see that and see how successful you became as quickly as you, as you have been. And I know that you'll be successful. Um, in whatever you guys do. And I'm here to support you guys. I'm really excited about the future for you. I'm happy to be a part of it, even a small part of it. So really cool to see everything that you guys are doing. And for everybody that's listening, if you're at Flipping Live, you got to meet these two incredible people. You got to hear their story. They have 11 kids. They homeschool these kids. They, it's like, how do you get all this stuff done? That's a whole nother podcast, I think, of how do you do it all and still, you know, um, look like you're not going completely insane. Right. And so it's, it's really awesome to see what you guys are doing there in Missouri. And I'm excited to see where you go from here. So, um, okay. If you've been listening to us, check us out, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Now we got an Instagram page where we're doing some of these stories. We're putting these podcasts out on that stuff, Facebook, obviously. So give us some likes, send us some reviews. Um, if you guys have any input on what you want to hear, some things that were, you want us to talk about, then send us an email. I, um, send us, go to sevenfigureflipping.com, our new website, check it out and set, hit the contact us and send us an email that all the contact information's on there. The whole, the team, the staff, you'll see pictures of them all, all that stuff. So really cool site. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. And if we can make it better, we will. So, um, I'm, I'm happy to have spent some time with you guys. And I know you can listen to a lot of stuff. You can, there's a lot of real estate things out there. So I'm just uh, honored that you spent some time with us and got to know uh, Jason and Jennifer Ross, some two amazing people that uh, you will never forget. So thanks for spending time with us guys. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the seven figure flipping podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com.